0: Dwight explains the Bible Exodus twenty. Uh, this is the plagues of Egypt. So after hearing the burning bush, um, Moses ended up meeting with his brother Aaron, who is also in contact with God, and they both went to uh, Egypt. And Moses went first and talked to the Israelites and told them, "Hey, I'm here with God. Um, I'm gonna let you free, or I'm gonna get you." get you free, I'm. you're going to be able to go, and they're basically looking at him like, who the fuck are you, and he's like, dude, I talked to a burning bush, and they're like, whatever, so Moses goes back, um, talks to the Pharaoh, and says, you know what, these are God's people, uh, we need you to let them go, um, they need to be free to worship God, you know, because God creates things to worship him. There's not an ego problem there, but I created you, now you need to worship me. Um, So, he tells all this stuff to the Pharaoh. You know, I come from, you know, on behalf of God. And the Pharaoh's like, I don't believe you, and you know what, you just fucked up. Uh, And the Pharaoh made things worse for the Israelites. He basically doubled up their work, um, just to make things even worse than they were before. Um, So... Moses and Aaron and God kind of all had a powwow. And Moses like, I don't think I can do this. I can't speak eloquently. I I, I don't know that I can actually talk him into letting go. And God's like, well, I'm going to abandon my all-knowing plan because God knows everything. And we're going to go with plan B and have Aaron do everything. So they, they went on their way to meet the Pharaoh. But God told them, told uh, Moses and Aaron, so I'm going to harden the Pharaoh's heart and even though I, I'm going to multiply my signs and, you know, I'm going to show all these things I can do, he's not going to listen to you. Um, then I will lay my hand on Egypt with the acts of judgment and I'll bring, bring out my divisions. You know, I'm going to show them who the fuck God is, you know. So I'm going to harden the Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to make it so that Pharaoh won't give in. I'm going to make him not give in. So when we give him the option of letting them go or not, we're going to make him not let them go so I can show you how awesome my powers are. So God is narrating this. He's orchestrating this whole event right here god's gonna force the pharaoh to not cooperate so he can do everything that's coming next god's doing this not the pharaoh it's like well if the pharaoh would have just you know gave in well he couldn't because god hardened his heart right so moving on so aaron is in what well, moses and aaron are both in front of the pharaoh and um aaron takes his staff throws it on the ground and it becomes a snake, and then the Pharaoh called in his his magicians, you know, his wise men and sorcerers, and those people did the exact same thing. They threw their staffs down, and then Aaron's staff, his snake, ate the others' uh, staffs, just swallowed them up whole. And it that chap or that paragraph ends with yet the Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them. Just as the Lord said, the Lord said that he was going to harden the Pharaoh's heart. So this is God's doing still. Then moving on to act two, of God, the magician, um, Aaron then says, okay, I'm going to turn all the water in the Nile into blood. So, all the fish are going to die. You can't drink from it. Nothing. It's just, it's all going to be blood. So it says Aaron waved his magic wand and all of a sudden the Nile became blood. True to what he had said was going to happen. And it goes on to say, but the Egyptian magicians did the same thing by their secret arts and the pharaoh's heart became hard. Um, so the Egyptian magicians did the same thing did what turned water into blood, but the, the, the water was already blood. So what did they do? What water was left to turn into blood? That doesn't really make sense. Um, yeah. So the water was blood after Aaron did it. And also again, when the Egyptians did it, so there was no drinking water left. So they had to, you know, do that thing where you dig alongside of the water and then it filters stuff out, you know, survivor main stuff. Um, and that, that's the blood. So then we move on to the plague of frogs. Where the saga continues. Where Moses says, if you don't let my people go, or God's people go, we're going to plague your city with frogs. There's going to be frogs everywhere in the houses and the beds tables in the streets I mean trees creeks everywhere and it's going to be coming out of the Nile and it's going to be non-stop um, so this had happened for a while and finally um, the Pharaoh and Moses get together and the Pharaoh says um, you know get be done with the frogs it's enough and then Moses says well we need to you know, make a offering to God. We need to sacrifice to the God, to our God. Um, So whenever you're ready to let our people sacrifice, then we will call off the frogs. And Pharaoh said, okay, fine, tomorrow, tomorrow comes. Moses, uh, you know, prayed to God. God killed off all the frogs except for the ones in the Nile. And after there were no more frogs, the Pharaoh was like, meh. Never mind, we're good. And again, this is blamed on the Pharaoh hardening his heart that God hardened so that he could show off all his magic tricks. So then the next two plagues are basically the same thing. Um, the first one was gnats, where Moses would strike the ground with his staff and the ground would turn into gnats. And then same thing, Pharaoh's like, stop this shit. It's like, it was, if we can do our offering... Um, and prayed away and okay fine sure great so he prays gnats go away Pharaoh is like okay well I'm not letting you go anyway um, well fine Well, now you're getting flies so then these flies are going to swarm everywhere I mean worse than the frogs because these things are in your face I mean, just all over the place they're going to swarm everywhere except for where the Israelites are at everywhere but the Israelites home is going to be swarmed with flies. So, again, with everything else, you know, let us go do our offerings and, you know, I'll pray and then, you know, everything will be fine. Pharaoh's like, fine, don't go far, hurry up. Um, So they go, they make their offering, comes back, and guess whose heart was hardened because God hardened it a long time ago and decided, nope, I'm not letting you go. Did you say, the Pharaoh, ding, 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 you're right. So the next uh, next plague was a plague on the livestock. Basically, we're killing all the livestock. So same deal. All the livestock died, except for the ones belonging to the Israelites. Um, same, let us pray. We'll let see if God will lift the plague. Pharaoh says, okay, yada, yada, yada. Um, stabbed him in the back. We're keeping you fine. We're gonna do the plague of boils, um, which is that you know this this skin condition. Um, so God basically made boils appear via Moses. Moses took a thing of soot, threw it up in the air, and all of a sudden everybody started getting boils all over the place on people and all the animals. Um, same deal. Rinse and repeat. Another episode of Let Us Pray It Away and Let Us Go. And then the Pharisee says no because his heart was hardened. And for God's next magic trick, we have the Plague of Hail, where hail was going to come down so hard that it would kill basically any living thing. It would just be continuous. I mean, over and over and over and over um, to where the Israelites were told, Hide your. Cattle inside some sort of shelter under protection, um, and then the hail started coming down real heavy. Moses met with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, "You make this stop. Um, you know, we'll let you go." Moses said, "Let us go." And then when we're out of town, um, then we'll stop it. And the Pharaoh said, "Okay." So they got everyone let everyone out of town, and Moses stopped it. And then the Pharaoh went back and got him. Nope, you're coming back. Then QN, there was a plague of locusts, same deal. Then there was a plague of darkness for three days. And now we're getting to the good one, the plague on the firstborn. So the plague of the firstborn was basically, just as it sounds, um, at midnight, God's going to kill every firstborn child in this country, even the livestock, if you don't let us go. And of course, Pharaoh's heart was hardened because God wanted to show off all his magic tricks. Pharaoh um, said no. So then this is where all the Israelites, they went in their home, they had to put lambs' blood over their doorway so the angel of death would know whose houses to skip um, even though they were in their own lane. But for some reason, they still had to do the blood thing. Um, and this is also where the Jews get Passover because the angel is passing over them. So there is a bit of, you learned something on this. Hey, how about that? Um, so God basically says all the firstborns will die. So all the little kids out there, you know, little infants and toddlers running around to their moms and dads, learning how to walk, learning how to talk and, is so cute and playing catch and, you know, their little uh, potato sack, teddy bear things, whatever the fuck they had for toys. All of you, you're all gonna die. Fuck you. You're all gonna die. I am God. So, all those innocent people who had no bearing over the decisions of their parents, whether their parents even agreed with the Pharaoh, like, you know, here in America, most people don't even agree with the president, but you want every single person in Egypt to be accountable for the Pharaoh's decision and that government, oh, you mean a government's corrupt? Holy crap. So you're going to kill all the firstborn of every family, no matter how innocent, how old, how young, what they've done with themselves. You know, the, the Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman the fucking I mean whoever it doesn't matter who you are if you're the fucking firstborn kid you're dead why because God loves you God is a God of love don't forget that and not only is the firstborn gonna die The rest of the family now has to suffer that loss that mom and dad are now without their child. They don't have a little them, a little piece of them growing up in their house. They don't have a little person running up to them, hugging them every day, like coming to them for every bit of life from food and drink to what is this? What is that? Let's go play. The parents are out and in the parents you automatically assume that they back up the the desires of the Pharaoh that they're all on the same page and they're all I mean just you pick up one neighborhood anywhere and tell me they all agree a hundred percent with each other and they you know they all deserve the same fate as the leader of the government because the leader of the government did this all these innocent people should die Well. God thinks that, because God is a God of love. And I guess I'll just finish up this story. This, I guess, this will be a little bit longer of a normal recording of mine, a normal podcast. But we're going to get into the Exodus when they actually left. After all that death and destruction, they're finally leaving. We did it, guys. We're getting out of here. Are you excited? It's been 430 years that the Israelites have been enslaved to Egypt. 430 years. And they're finally free. So, one another footnote here is a regulation about the Passover. It's very important. For the Passover meal, um, it says that no foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have may eat it. After you have circumcised him. So if he wants to eat your meal. Cut his dick. And then he can eat it. And any foreigner among you. That wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover. Must have all the males in his house circumcised. No uncircumcised male may eat it. This applies to both native-born and to foreigners among you. You have to be circumcised to eat God's food. So another rule about the whole Passover thing and the whole uh, commemorating the day where you're finally free, you've made it out, um, this is very important. You need to consecrate to me you need to give me, sacrifice to me, every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, both human and animal. Which means kill your fucking kid. Was 430 years of slavery not enough for you to suffer, to endure? No? Good. Because every time you have a firstborn kid, kill him. Have him for nine months, push him out in this archaic medical whatever, and kill him. Kill a fucking kid. Give him to me. Now, we need to be very clear. This is not an abortion. This is a kid that's now out in the world, alive, and then you kill it. It's not abortion, it's murder. Abortion is bad, murder is okay. And when the kids ask, what does this mean? let um, see, Exodus 20, verse 15, when the Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn. And this is why I sacrifice the first male offspring. It'll be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So it's like a sign on the hand, except kill your fucking kid. It's kind of like, you know, maybe having a symbol on your forehead, you know, except instead of that, kill your fucking kid. Remember when God plagued the pharaohs and stuff, and, and the Egyptians, and like killed all their firstborn kids, and this was a punishment? When well, now you're going to do it, except you're going to be happy about it. Yay, God. Not, oh, I'm scared of you, God. It's, yay, God. So then Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt towards the Red Sea. And he's going out. Uh, you know, they're just doing their thing. And as they're going down, approaching this, uh, the sea, they look back. And guess what? The Pharaoh's not done with them yet. He's in hot pursuit. You know, he's got all his chariots out there. And, you know, Moses is like, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're going to get screwed. We're, we're cornered at the sea. So, of course, you know, Moses is like, God, we need a little, you know, do another magic trick. Encore. Encore. You know, so okay, God's like, okay, wave your hands, wave the magic wand, and Moses does that, and then also in the sea parts, and they, they can walk through, there's dry land, um, so they're, you know, they're all running through the Moses and the Israelites are all running through the dry path through the to get to the other side of the sea. Um, and of course, the, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians are still chasing them, and, you know, as the Egyptians all get into the dry part of the sea, um, the wheels start locking up and stuff. And like they're saying, well, God's fighting, you know, doing a little something there. So the Israelites get to the other side of the sea and the Egyptians are all stuck in the middle. And, you know, God tells Moses, you know, do the magic wand thing. And then all of a sudden the, the sea fills back up and floods out the Egyptians. So this, this chapter ends up with Um, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So after all the plagues, after everybody died, after all the the flies, the boils, the locusts, the frogs, you know, just out of all of that stuff, they're like, okay, now we believe you, Moses. And he's like, well, I mean, the burning bush, man, I mean, I mean, I told you it was a bush that was talking to me. I told you this whole time. They're like, Okay, don't don't push it, Moses. Don't push it.